This episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by the Hollyfield Nutrition Runner Roadmap Course. To get 10% off your Runner Roadmap Course purchase, visit the link in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. I am Holly. I am your podcast host today. I am also a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer, and I am very excited to bring our guest on today, Baz Mofat, who is a wonderful, wonderful person, and she is going to be teaching us and talking a lot about women's health and the pelvic floor today. She has her bachelor's in sports science. She has her master's in health-related behavior change. She is a personal trainer and a coach, and she is also a former professional athlete. She was on the Great Britain rowing team, and she um, is really passionate about making talking about women's health and female anatomy and physiology more the norm, um, since I know a lot of it is getting talked about more, but it's still very taboo. Um, and we also know that there's a large research gap in, um, you know, women's health when it comes to sports and exercise um, for performance um, based things. So we're going to be talking a lot today about the pelvic floor. Um, this is a topic that just needs to be talked about more, to be honest. Um, I still talk to people every day who don't know what the pelvic floor is. They don't know that pelvic floor physical therapists exist. Um, and while Baz is not a pelvic floor physical therapist and is not pretending to be one, um, she is going to talk a lot about how to find good resources to work on your pelvic floor health because of how important it is and helps spread awareness and messaging around the pelvis. And in particular, um, women's health when it comes to the pelvic floor. Because if you exercise, if you're a runner, so you know that's probably what you do if you're here on this podcast, um, the pelvic floor should be really important to you. Um, it's something that can really impact how comfortable or confident you are in having the ability to do your sport or just do activities of daily living in a comfortable way. Um, so that's why we're talking about it today. So without further ado, let's welcome Baz to the show. Hello, Baz, and welcome to the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today, especially all the way from UK. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know you've had a busy day today. You're coming out with a book soon. So if you could tell everyone listening um, who you are, where you're located, and what you do, that would be great. Yeah, so uh, I'm located in London. Uh, it's busy at the moment, but we're all sorted around the King's Coronation. Um, but my background is in women's health. So I was on the British rowing team for four years as, a, as an elite athlete, um, training, eyes on the prize, fully focused, that really driven mentality that you have with elite sport. And then after retiring from that, um, at the age of 30, I became a personal trainer, had two children. And when I had those two children, I really got interested in pelvic floor. And for any of your listeners who've had children, that will make a lot of sense. Um, and so I started to do lots of pelvic floor coaching, but within the world of fitness. So I wasn't a physio, I wasn't medically trained, but I was really supporting women in that exercise space. And very quickly that uh, the breadth of my client base massively spread out from pre and postnatal into uh, menopause, perimenopause, elite athletes, like people that have never had children. Um, and so, and I, I just got really, I just, I just got so passionate about the influence that pelvic health has 
on a woman's enjoyment of her body and enjoyment of physical activity um, that I was really driven to kind of do more in that space. I love that. And I, I don't have kids, but pelvic floor has been on my radar for many years because I work with a lot of people who have kids. And it's funny when, you know, my clients have heard about pelvic floor from their dietitian and not from their OBGYN or their physical therapist. But that's exactly why we're talking about it today, because it's not kind of just a topic for those who work specifically in pelvic health. If you work with people with a pelvis, you know, and there's symptoms or things happening, it's helpful to know um, at least about the pelvic floor. She can point them in the right direction or, or point them, you know, to, to better resources, because I think it's definitely something that's like not talked about very much. Um, it, it's not talked about. And I think that, you know, there are clearly, there are clearly times and situations when you absolutely need in your, you know, you call it an OBGYN, we call it a gynecologist or a women's health physiotherapist. But actually, there's a lot that the fitness space, the dietetic space can handle. But but actually, at the moment, people aren't, we're not educated, like fitness trainers, PE teachers, um, yoga teachers, no one's really educated particularly well around it. But actually, most of it is, really, you, you don't need to do an assessment, you don't have to have any clinical skills, you can actually really support women with their pelvic health. There will be times when we need to refer on and out, but we can we can really help support women in this space. Yeah. And I know you said, um, you know, you kind of got into pelvic floor and, and learning about it yourself and then being able to help it with others when you had kids. And I, I love on your website at, um, the well HQ, it says women shouldn't need to study to be women. <laughs> um, and I think that's so true. Like we just, we aren't taught this stuff. No, we're, uh, there was a brilliant report in the UK published a couple of years ago, and it said women are woefully uneducated about their bodies at every single life stage. And it's absolutely true. And I had to spend huge amounts of time and huge amounts of money learning like what what we just what's basic and should be passed down to us from our cousins and our sisters and our mums and like our, and our school environment, all of this content should be really normalized and it and it's not like we just don't have any education or understanding about our bodies i think in times like in times gone past and in less developed countries where um you're allowed time and space to be a woman and as young girls you kind of take part in um the you know the situations that women will find them in whether it's the period whether it's birth you kind of are exposed to this kind of stuff a lot more frequently and it's not shrouded in secrecy or judgment or, um, or, or seen as a very sort of private thing. It's just kind of part of the community and we all support each other. But I think in the Western developed world, it is, it is not seen as a, there's no sense of community around it. It's very much a kind of individualized thing. Yeah. It's like you have parts, but don't, you don't need to know how they work. Don't share with others how they work. It's a big secret. Keep, you know, keep everything covered and, you know, don't talk about it. Um, so in terms of the pelvic floor, if we could kind of dive into that topic, um, you know, what, just for those listening, like what is the pelvic floor if you had to define it? Yeah. So it's a group of muscles and ligaments and it attaches to your pubic bone at the front of your pelvis and your coccyx at the back. And so if you kind of visualize that, it looks like a hammock that attaches to the front of the pelvis and the back of the pelvis. Um, and that's kind of all we need to know in terms of the anatomy side of it. If you're going any, if you're going to do any kind of assessments, obviously you need to know a lot more detail than that. But, but physiologically, it kind of functions like a bicep or a hamstring in terms of like, you know, like from a muscular point of view, but 
because it is in a private, intimate and vulnerable part of a woman's body, it is it requires very different kind of coaching and cueing and time and space. And we can't just say, I don't know what what your experience of this is at Holly, but I've just noticed that when I'm going to yoga classes or Pilates classes, I'll say, oh, and lift your pelvic floor as if that's enough. I was like, no, like we don't, no one knows how to do that. Like you can't, you know, whereas actually if you said like, push your hips back on a squat, people, they might need some coaching, but they would kind of understand what you're asking them to do, but they, we don't understand it with the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor is that it's, it's a hammock should, should, it should um, rise as we exhale. It should relax as we inhale. It should be able to resist any kind of increases in pressure in our abdomen. So from laughing, coughing, sneezing, it should be able to resist that pressure and keep us dry. And it should also be able to resist the impact that we put through our body from either like you know heavy weight lifting, running, jumping, twisting, turning. So we shouldn't be leaking um, when we're doing whatever we want our body to do. I mean, it also must, and the other, the other side of it is, is really important to understand is that it should, must be able to fully relax and let go because that's the way that we excrete waste products from our body and also have babies. So if we can't relax and fully let go of this pelvic floor, um, then we get into lots of bladder and bowel issues. Um, and so not all athletes have, have tight pelvic floors, but many athletes will. And I think that if your default position is oh I've got I'm leaking I've got pelvic floor issues I'm just going to make it stronger actually that might be the opposite of what you need to be working on yeah and and my like again self-education because I was not taught any of this in the seven years of school that I went through to become a healthcare practitioner um but in my self-study of this you know it's it's definitely that's definitely the part that I feel like I learned the most it was that oh it's not just about you know being able to flex or make it stronger um or tighter you know it's about having control over it completely. So you can relax it like you can any muscle, which I think is really hard for a lot of people, but also a lot of athletes. Cause we're kind of always thinking like stronger, tighter, like, you know, yeah. stable. Um, yeah. So and that's super I, um, important. When I, uh, work with athletes and I'm saying, right, so we're just going to start and we're going to relax. We're going to relax your tummy and we're going to relax and let go. And we're going to inhale and feel where this breath goes. They like freak out. They're like, what? Like nobody has ever told me to relax anything like I like I, they're like I can't I can't do it like they're kind of so used to being like on and tight and locked it's like oh I don't know how to do that and on and tight and locked has it has its place like we absolutely have to be in that position when we are transferring load and 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 power through our bodies but we can't be on and tight and locked 24 7 because that's not how our body works and and if you shut down if, if you can't feel a part of your body which is the case with many people like I'm like they can't even feel that part even like a basic sort of pelvic tilt like if you get people in lying on their back and you ask them to isolate their pelvis they're like like I've literally no clue like I can't, I can't feel this so like I don't know how to do this and um all they're used to is gripping and holding and like ah and it's it's, it's a real challenge for athletes yeah totally totally it's it's so true and like that's one of the most important parts, like you said, of like bell movements and like being able to go to the bathroom and pushing a baby out if that's something that's in your future. So, um, yeah, anyone who's clenching right now, stop clenching. But yeah, <laughs> um, that's what you find when, whenever like someone comes and listens to a pelvic floor, like one of my talks or like a podcast, they're like, oh, God, Baz, I was doing my pelvic floor exercises the whole way through. And, and they're like, and it's like, no, everyone relax, everyone relax. <laughs> yeah. 
relaxing is a pelvic floor exercise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know whenever I enter a yoga class and they're like, okay, and they start connecting you to your breath. I always start yawning. Like it's always like my gut reaction. I'm like, oh, I feel like I can't fill up my lungs. Everything's so tight and like clenched and tense. And it's, yeah, it's super, it's super eye-opening. <laughs> um, and like in terms of pelvic floor issues in, in, women. And I mean, for this podcast in particular, we are talking to primarily about 80% um, of our listeners are female runners. Um, you know, how common are pelvic floor issues in the athletic community? And is there any like phase of life or medical condition that makes it even more common? Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, the most common issue is leaking however there will also be sort of irresistible urges to go to the toilet whether that's for emptying your bowels or emptying your bladder there will just be times like especially when you're out running that you that you you feel you are you are not in control of what's going on um and i so the figure for the general population um, in the UK, any, anyway, is one in three women will be will, will have will be leaking when they don't want to when they you know their, their bladder will be emptying when they don't want to. Um, within if you if you go to the extreme, like gymnasts and trampolinists have the the highest rates, and that's kind of like ninety percent plus in the Olympic teams. Um, and if you think running is kind of going to be somewhere between like you know one in three and 90 percent so like my best guess is like around 60 percent if you're doing if you're doing basketball volleyball like anything that involves more impact then um then that those rates would be more like seven you know 60 70 percent but i think if you kind of go okay like 50 60 percent of of runners will probably experience some kind of pelvic floor dysfunction that's probably a safe bet and i'm being i'm i'm not being vague because i haven't read the evidence i'm being vague because there is very little evidence and and it's not, and it's really hard to um, to assess to, to get information on this. It is still like I think we've we've moved on with the menstrual cycle. Like we really have. We've kind of like it just feels that's something that's very normal-ish to talk about. People are really happy talking about like how to track around their cycle, how to train around their cycle, because I think that's that's something that a woman should have. Like we should have a menstrual cycle, so it's kind of okay to talk about it. But this topic we're talking about today you talk about it because it's not working and I think for people who are physically brilliant so like you know majority of people listening to this podcast bit like that their friends and family would perceive them as really fit and healthy and they'll be so and so the runner and they'll be they'll be they'll be achieving things that lots of people won't be able to and if they're then having pelvic floor dysfunction it, it just doesn't tally it's like how can I be able to run this fast or this far and I, and I have this basic function in my body not working properly and it's a kind of um it's really hard for people to deal with because it just feels it's, it's like, oh I forgot like why is this happening I don't understand like how can I how can I bash out these this number of sessions and reps and sets each week and this part of me is not working well because that's a basic that's a basic function that a body should be able to do yeah, I, I think that's so that's so true. People are getting a little bit more comfortable talking about like the menstrual cycle because it's a part it should be a part of like normal, you know, kind of healthy female um, anatomy physiology. But yeah, the pelvic floor, you know, a healthy one is also part of, you know, healthy, normal female and male any, you know, any human um, who has a pelvis anatomy and physiology. And I think, yeah, when there's a dysfunction with it, that's kind of what um, kind of is more taboo or like harder to talk about. So I, I think when everyone is hearing, if you're like, oh yeah, pelvic floor, 
you know, that probably means you have like urinary incontinence, you're, you're peeing when you don't want to be peeing. Um, you know, some people might think of like the older lady with like bladder prolapse, like that's very stereotypical, um, patient in everyone's brain. But what are some symptoms for those listening of like pelvic floor dysfunction? Like what's a sign that, Hey, maybe, maybe there is something going on here, even if you're not 90 years old, you know, with your bladder prolapse. Um, so, so le- things I've just covered, so leaking and irresistible urges to empty your bladder or your bowel, pain, any kind of pain with penetration, whether that's sexual penetration, whether that's a medical examination, um, that those types of things shouldn't hurt. Any Anyone that kind of feels they have incomplete emptying, so like you go to the toilet, have a wee, get up, and then two minutes later, you need it again. You're like, oh, nothing, I didn't fully, le- I didn't, didn't fully empty. Um, <clears throat> constipation is not like a sign of dysfunction but if you are constipated which is a dietitian i'm sure you spend a lot of your time talking about like if you're if you're constipated then not only is the is the um is the stool taking up a lot more room in the pelvis than it should be so you're more likely to leak if you are constipated also excreting whilst you're constipated is really hard you have to push really hard and that puts that puts undue pressure on the pelvic floor so whenever it's brilliant that you know that that we're both talking today because whenever we you deal with anyone's pelvic floor dysfunction it's bowels first you have to sort out a woman's bowels and that's not always it's not always hydration and vegetables a lot of it is to do with their relaxation their stress management their sleep their their, their breath control um, and their, their positioning on the toilet but constipation is a big one it is a big sort of risk factor if you like in terms of pelvic floor dysfunction this episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast is sponsored by the Runner Roadmap course which has been created by yours truly Hollyfield Nutrition that's me And I wanted to chat with you guys a little bit about what my runner roadmap flagship course is. This is basically the all-inclusive resource that I created that I wish I had when I was learning about nutrition for endurance athletes, performance, health. So I created it because I couldn't find it. (laughs) And it is a six-module online self-paced course. You basically build off of each topic which allows you to implement things as you go without being super overwhelmed by information, which is why it is called a roadmap of a course for runners. We talk all things, how to build a plate based off of what type of training you're doing. We talk about how to prevent um, underfueling, how to prevent overfueling, how to have a good relationship with food, how to you know meal prep and plan accordingly so you're not spending hours and hours in the kitchen and can actually make all of these nutrition recommendations come to fruition. We talk about what to eat before, during, and after your workouts, how to create a hydration and race day fuel plan and strategy, how to carb load properly, how to prevent micronutrient deficiencies, and so much more. So if you guys want to save 10% on your runner roadmap course purchase, you can use the code podcast 10 at the link in the show notes. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because when I talk to people about, you know, pooping, which I do all day, every day, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, this might be TMI, but I'm like, no, it's not. This is what oh, we are here for. Yeah. Um, you know, but and the, I, had, um, 
I used to have clients who used to literally, I said, right, you need to go to the toilet before 10 o'clock in the morning. And, and we are putting all that effort into doing that. And I would have these messages on my phone going, I did it. I feel like it feels amazing. And I'm like, and my husband's like, what's going on? And, and also, you know, we haven't talked about like the, the pre and postnatal population yet, but women who had done their first poo after having a baby, I, that was the, they didn't tell me their weight, the weight of their baby, how the birth went. They were just like, I was like, this is what we need to get sorted. Um, so I get I got lots of messages around around that. But I I was I was yeah I was delighted by that. I think the other um, symptom that I haven't mentioned is prolapse, and that is when um, your the, the your vagina doesn't have the strength to hold up the weight of the vital organs above it. So the bladder, the bowel, and the uterus, and those organs start to drop and fall into the vagina. Now. It's there are there's extreme prolapse, which um, but there's also like level one prolapse, which might be I'm kind of I don't have any feelings. I'm OK. But after a run, I have this dragging feeling in my vagina or, you know, at the end of a day when I've been like holding my children or doing normal life, I have this dragging feeling. But actually, after a good night's sleep, I'm fine. You not always, but you generally like birth is, is like a huge um, like factor in prolapse so it's, it's usually birth and menopause are generally the two times in your life when you will experience prolapse symptoms um it's not it's not really brought on by you know high levels of physical activity the high levels of physical activity in the younger populations cause the sort of um, bladder and bowel dysfunction yeah thank you for bringing that up and i think like especially with like the talking about the bowel movements and bowel health like I think a lot of the times people don't think that has anything to do with pelvic floor, right? Um, they're like, it must have been a food that I ate or something that I am or am not doing with my diet. And yeah, sometimes that's the case, but a lot of the times it's not that simple. Um, so when I do talk to people about relaxing and, you know, getting out of fight or flight and, you know, deloading their central nervous system and good positioning in the bathroom, like, a lot of the times they're like, yeah, yeah, that, you know, but like, what should I eat? And I'm like, no, like these low hanging no, 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 fruits that. are so important. <laughs> and that, um, that footstool, getting people to have their knees above their hips, like it's a game changer. I work with a G, one of our co-founders is a GP and lots of people yeah. go in to talk to her about this. And, and she started like, just saying, just get a toddler step or a footstool. And, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That has literally changed my life. And I think that with runners or anyone that exercises in the morning, they will know that actually if they do a if they empty their bowels before they do that they feel so much more comfortable and their leaking can be prevented but it's like what do i you know so i always you know educate people that we get more sensitive to caffeine and and sugar and alcohol as we get older but actually you can kind of use that to your advantage so like it's like well if i have if i have a shot of caffeine or if i have like a you know a small bowl of cereal in the morning with a few dates and raisins in i know that 15 20 minutes later i'll have a bowel movement that's amazing like that's amazing to know because then that means i can have that bowel movement and i can go for a run and i'm and i'm and i'm kind of like happy but it's that so you can really if you're tracking and if you understand what your body's reaction is to these things then you can really um you can manipulate it to your advantage Totally. So useful for, for runners, especially. Cause yeah, it's like so much better to do that before you go for a run. Um, and then actually to kind of perfect segue. So for, for the runners, and this is something that I hear all the time as a dietitian who, you know, they always have to pee or they always feel like they might have leakage or they, mm -hmm. you know, they know that they evacuated their bowels, but they're still kind of nervous about, um, you know, don't trust a fart is like the big runner saying um, during a run, you know, a lot of the times the solution I hear that people have arrived at is 
oh, well then I just won't eat or drink anything, you know, yeah. and then nothing will come out. And, you know, as a dietitian, I'm like, oh, that's like not a good solution that can make it so much worse. Um, so what, what feelings and thoughts do you have towards that pattern? Cause yeah. I'm sure you um, do that too. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't genuinely I mean I think there is this misconception that what comes in comes out and of course what comes in does come out but you can't just like restrict everything for two or three hours because there's still a lot in your body that like you've eaten over the last few days that needs that will come out if it needs to and um, I think that uh, women also self-manage by wearing black by wearing um, period pants or shorts or, or like you know um, uh, sanitary pads just to kind of like absorb whatever's coming out um, yep. I used to be like really so um against a negative around the use of those products and now I'm like do you know what like the most important thing is that women run like or move and exercise and if that's what they need to do to get themselves out and crack on but be under no illusion that, that is fixing the problem and that's what we right. need to have that's the next conversation it's like I need you to keep moving and in this in this next two three months you carry on wearing black or carry on wearing those period pants but alongside your running because for for your physical and your mental health we have to do that we are also going to be doing a pelvic floor exercise program which looks like this and then we'll kind of like hopefully that will adapt thing there's also and i'm sure it must be happening in the states as well in the uk there's some really brilliant new products being produced there's there's so little there's been so little innovation in this space up until really the last few years all you've been able to tell women to do is their exercises and they're really boring and people get really angry about having to do them and they that their adherence to those exercises is so low unless they're kind of seeing you regularly and that is like your job um yeah but we've now started getting um pessaries in the uk specifically designed for sport so you can you you can put like and a pessary for anyone that doesn't know is something that a tampon is the best way of describing it they come in all different shapes and sizes but it's something that kind of sits inside your vagina sometimes made of sort of medical grade silicone so they're kind of like a, a menstrual cup that they're, they're, they're different but that's kind of like along the same lines and they they one of them um uh, there's one called contrail in the uk and that sits up high in your um high in your in, in your vagina and it supports the bladder neck so it actually prevents leaking at source and there are also so that's for leaking but there's also um pessaries that you can use to support um prolapse and just for crossfitters for runners for people that are really active it's genius because we actually we, we women haven't been running and training hard for that long like it's only really been the last 40 or 50 years that this has kind of been a mass participation event we don't mm -hmm. really fully understand the consequences or the results of women training this hard and the fact that we're now living for so much longer I genuinely feel that in this space of pelvic health over the next five years young women will be wearing putting things inside their vagina to prevent future dysfunction even if they're not symptomatic in their 20s because we'll just be learning so much more about what impact does weight training crossfit high performance sport high performance running have on our bodies and we we, we kind of don't know it because there's only really been a couple of generations that have gone through it and it, and and that's quite hard for your generation to realize because it, it just all feels so normal and 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 right. what everyone's doing Right. Yeah. I had the opportunity um, last year. I participated in the Boston Marathon and it was like the 50th anniversary of Title IX in the U.S. So it was kind of a big celebration of um, women in marathoning. And it is. It's so new. It was kind of just like a reminder of, oh, yeah, like when my mom was a kid 
women weren't allowed to run marathons um, unless they, you know, jumped out of a bush and banded the the race. So um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think obviously we've proven that, Hey, if we go run a marathon, our uterus isn't going to fall out at the finish line, but (laughs) you know, there, there are definitely um, anatomical things that are different, you know, in, in females. So it's important to take care of that. And I think this is a good segue to, to, um, a really big problem in female athletics is that a lot of women are underfueling, um, mm. simply because they either don't have the proper sports nutrition education or because of the way diet culture has kind of snuck into sports and aesthetic body composition versus performance. Um, and this can actually have, you know, an impact on the pelvic floor as well. So, I mean, could you mm. talk a little bit about like how... Yeah female sex hormone health also can affect the pelvic floor. Yeah. So if, if, if you, I mean, I'm sure that your, um, your listeners are familiar with the term REDS, the relative energy deficiency due to sport and all the, um, you know, all the effects that it has on the body. Essentially your body doesn't have estrogen. Now it's not the same as menopause, like which, which happened, which is an inevitable life stage, but many of the consequences are the same. And one of the consequences exactly like menopause is that, the pelvic floor and the vagina love estrogen. They are estrogen rich. They have receptors for estrogen all over it. And and, um, the the vagina and the pelvic floor relies on estrogen to stay strong and plump and moist and and working properly. Now, if you have reds, if if your ovaries have stopped reproducing because I'm producing estrogen because you're under fueling, like there isn't that estrogen in the body. So not only is your bone density affected and your mental health and your injury risk and your adaptation to training and all of that stuff, like the pelvic floor takes a hit as well. So like we know that actually the prevalence rates of pelvic floor dysfunction in women who are under fueling are even higher than those that are kind of fueling well within their, within the context of their sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thank you for talking about that. And like, that's something I'll tell my clients is if, Hey, you're, you know, very much pre-menopause, you know, you're in your twenties, your thirties, and you have to wake up and pee a lot in the middle of the night. And you're kind of noticing that gets worse. That could be that, yeah, you're physically losing, you know, some of that tone in your pelvic floor and you have basically the start of what could be incontinence or more frequent urination, um, which, is very unsexy and not what people, you know, want to be happening. And then their sleep's affected and then it's mm. kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah, because sleep, you know, we need to do everything within our powers to get everyone a great night's sleep because it's, it's like, it's the elixir of life, isn't it? Like, you know, we need to optimize the quantity and the quality of everybody's sleep, but especially those that are training hard and need to be adapting to that training. And if they're getting up three, four times a night to go for a wee, then that's a problem because that takes up, that that is not conducive with a great night's sleep. Yeah. 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 I think it's important to bring that up. Whenever I talk about reds, I'm like, it affects everything, absolutely everything in the body, um, which is why fueling is so important. Um, So in terms of, um, you know, wrapping up the pelvic floor, you know, we've talked a lot about signs, symptoms of what's going wrong, talking about it, getting more comfortable with understanding what it does. What are some like resources or things that people can do if they're like, oh yeah, I need to learn more about how to strengthen and also control and relax my pelvic floor? Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, anybody who is really um, 
serious about their sport, like needs to connect with, I don't know, what do you call them in the US? We call them women's health physiotherapists. Are they pelvic health physios? Yeah. It's a pelvic um, health physical therapist, yeah. Pelvic health physical therapist. Like it's, it is not a luxury and it's not something that only mums should be having. It's like, it's, it's what we all need to be having. We all need to be having a pelvic floor assessment quite regularly. And some countries you get an annual exam and it's just like, where am I at? Like, is my pelvic floor coping? What type of pelvic floor exercises should I, should I be doing? Am I even doing these correctly? Is my pelvic floor relaxing, etc. So I would say anyone taking their bodies seriously needs to connect in with a physical health therapist. Um, we, we have lots of content on our website around, uh, around pelvic health on, at thewellhq.com. Um, and we've also written a book called The Female Body Bible, A Revolution in Women's Health and Fitness. And there's a whole chapter in there around pelvic health. And I, and I talk through um, visualizations around how to do your pelvic floor exercises because we, we can't see it. We can't see it move. So we have to feel it. And, and there are ways that you can imagine it moving that will work for you better than it does other ways. Um, and that's available in hardback, which you can get in the US, but it's also, we've done an audio recording and a Kindle version, which you absolutely will be able to get. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be such a great resource. I, I think, um, again, like if you're very unfamiliar with pelvic health or if this is kind of a new concept or if any of the symptoms have resonated with you, the biggest thing we want you to know is that knowledge is power and there are solutions. <laughs> And also, yeah, and like the sooner you do something about it, the less invasive and less medicalized your options are. Like I always say that when your body is whispering to you, that's the time to react. And I think for sports people, that's often quite hard because they're like, I'll just push through. Like we push through pain, we push through fatigue, we push through discomfort all the time. But when it comes to like niggles and in, like I was an elite athlete, I was in the British rowing team for four years and actually, one of the major things that changed was that I could pick up on when I, I didn't even have to feel my back almost going. It's like, like it's about, I know, I know I'm about to get an injury. So I would go, I would go into straight on to see the physical therapist before I even got to that stage, which meant like one massage or two massages was sorted out. And I think that when your body is, is like telling you a lift, giving you a little sign, that is when you take action because you want to keep running and you don't want this to stop you or you don't want a knee or a hip or anything to stop you so I think just really lowering the bar in terms of when you seek support and when you start intervening in like what your body is trying to do and um, for me is like is really important especially when it comes to pelvic floor yeah I love that I think that's so true with athletes like we are a lot of us are good athletes because we know how to push through pain uh, and discomfort, but there is a really fine line between pushing through and knowing when yeah. to back off and do something about it. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, awesome. Well, I was going to say, you talked a little bit about where people can find you, but in case people didn't catch it, where, where are you most active? Where can people find all of the great resources you have um, to offer? So the well-hq.com is our website where there's lots of information you can use. And then we're most active on Instagram, I would say. Like we do some stuff on Twitter and all of the uh, uh, platforms, but uh, Instagram is where we're most active. So yeah, and that's the wellhq. Awesome, yeah, go check them out, um, especially if you have a pelvis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So um, now I want to ask you the end of the podcast question to wrap up. I didn't warn you about this, so this will be fun to hear your answer. Um, but say you are crossing the finish line of your race, you know, maybe it's a, a regatta, um, since I know rowing was your main sport, um, and you had the best race of your life, you're, you're winning, you know, it's going great. Um, what song would be playing to embody how you're feeling in that moment? 
Oh my goodness, it would it would it would be something by Beyonce. It would be you know it'd be the, the it'd be absolutely a Beyonce tune. I just think she's so inspiring, and I just like that that would absolutely what would be in my head when I when I cross that line. Yeah, love it. That's that's just perfect for this conversation too, like <laughs> embodiment of yeah. of womanhood. Um, well, Baz, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're a busy woman, so I'll let you go. But I really appreciate it, and I hope people learn something about the pelvis today. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Baz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Guys, make sure you go check out her and her colleagues' books over at The Well HQ. Um, the Female Body Bible is going to just be such an excellent resource um, for all things female anatomy and physiology in sport. Like we said during the episode, you shouldn't have to have years and years of formal education, holding degrees in anatomy and physiology in order to understand women's health and coming from someone who does have many, many degrees in, you know, health and science related topics. I still honestly didn't learn a ton about women's health in these programs and had to seek out that knowledge from experts, um, you know, on my own. So we're really hoping that we can keep spreading awareness and giving you guys resources to understand, you know, what's under the hood of your own body or the body of someone that you might know if they are in a female body. So really hope you guys go check out her and her colleagues book, the female body Bible. Um, and if you are really enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. If you feel I am worthy of it on your podcast player of choice, whether that's iTunes or Spotify, recommend it to a friend tag Hollyfield Nutrition on social media when you're sharing episodes. And if you are also wanting to support my podcast, you can do that by supporting my sponsors, which are Scratch Labs. Um, so if that's something that you know you want to try out as well, know that that not only supports the company itself, but it supports my show so that I can keep providing this free information to you guys um, in an accessible way that you're hopefully listening to either on the run, on the strength train, or doing you know chores around the house or walking or whatever it is you like to do when you listen to podcasts. I really appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and happy running. Thank you.